Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinema Nerd Presents Made in the 90s. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm here with Dylan Shore. He's going to tell you all about revolutionary France, the intricacies of its history, the Sun King, um, the revolution of Von de Mer, Brune Mar, all of those things, and more. Dylan, what is the man in the iron mask? Man in the Iron Mask is the Randall Wallace film from 1998 with Leonardo DiCaprio, Jeremy Irons, John Malkovich, Gerard Depardieu, Gabriel Byrne, and Leonardo DiCaprio again. Twice. Twice. Um, yeah, that's what that is. Thousands. So yeah, uh, that is the man in the iron mask. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Um, should we talk about some other movies before we talk about the iron mask, the man in the iron mask? Let's do it. What do you got on your docket, fellow? I rewatched Lilies of the Field, classic Sidney Poitier film about uh, him being like a traveling handyman who like breaks down near this um this uh a commune uh, not commune but uh a, a bunch of nuns live in this little a convent i think is the word convent you know. that's what i'm trying to think of but they're all from different nationalities german yeah they're all over the place and none of them speak that great of english but they feel like he's been sent there to help them build their new chapel and uh, he eventually takes on the task of building the chapel. It's like it's a great movie. I love it. It was the first Sydney Poitier film I ever saw. That was going to be my question: is if he builds the chapel? He does. He does. I saw a Sydney Poitier movie also, which we'll talk about eventually. What else have you seen? Um, then I rewatched Joyride. Fucking love it. It's just <laughs> such, oh god, I love it. It's so funny. It's got like some great thrills to it, but also it's not perfect <laughs> because <laughs> no. there are that movie went through so many reshoots and you can uh specifically you remember the corn maze they're yeah, like yeah. they're running through the corn and he's chasing them through it yeah you can clearly see steve zahn not clearly they do cut around it very nicely but the blu-ray it's just like so crystal clear <laughs> you can see everything steve zahn is in a sheriff's jacket and he, that just comes out of nowhere. You're like, whoa, where'd that jacket come from? But that's from a reshoot right. previously. And there's a lot of stuff that changed with it. But I still dig on the movie. I dig on that movie too, man. I mean, anytime Steve Zahn is on screen, I'm probably digging it. Plus Paul Walker. Yeah, totally. And I, I said something like this the other day, but 90s thrillers that should be 70s thrillers are some of my favorite movies Ever. Well, see, that's the thing. That movie took two years to make. So, like, literally make. So they probably started in 99, and it didn't come out until 2001. That doesn't surprise me even a little bit, no. Yeah. Yeah, that's, a, yeah. <laughs> it's dumb fun, but it is a lot of fun. This uh, Abrams gets most, the final credit on that screenplay, right? Abrams? Uh, he gets a co-credit. Right on. Um, and then this one I have not seen, I uh, hadn't seen. It's called Close Up. It's uh, an Iranian film 
1990, but it's like, oh man, it's so crazy to describe because it's probably the most meta movie. So there was this guy who uh, falsely portrayed himself as an Iranian filmmaker to- Yeah, we were uh, talking about this one just the other day, weren't we? I don't know, were we? It might've, you know what? It might've come up on filmography actually. Because ah. we were uh, have been working through Andy Kaufman up until recently, so there's a lot of talk about meta and the nature of storytelling. So yeah, I'm I really like Close Up, man. I'm so, I'm glad you caught up with it. Yes, no, it was genius, a, a work of art. Uh, loved it. Everyone should see it. It's a crazy ass movie and a crazy ass story. Super crazy. You should uh, tell it because there's you know people are. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so um, this guy portrays himself to this family to of being a, a famous Iranian filmmaker, and he like gets close with their family, and like he was trying, he like was hoping to like get money to fund his own project by being this false person. He claimed to and, be Abbas Kiristami and he wanted to make a movie about this family, a documentary about this family. Yes. And well, so <clears throat> the family finds out that this man's a con artist and he only like took, like he asked one of the brother, uh, one of the sons for like 1900 bucks. The guy gave it to him, but like it was for him. Like he needed to live. Like he needed to feed his mother, his daughter, uh, one of his kids and um the and family finds out they've been the movie that's yeah no it's all being filmed like this is the uh, that's what's crazy this is all being filmed it feels like a documentary but it's not it is they do go back and once he got out of jail uh he, they went back and shot the scene with him and the real mother in the bus of them meeting and how it all happened. Okay. And so there's a couple of scenes like that where they go back and refilm it once he's out of jail. Right. But uh, yeah, the, the real guy is used, the real family is used, the, it, it's a trip, honestly. Uh, it was crazy. Yeah, it's a real bender in terms of, you know, this is what we were talking about over on filmography is like where storytelling even stops and starts and sort of, again, what the nature of this art form even is. And I think this movie close up has, says more about these things than entire careers, you know, it's a really fascinating movie. How about you, what'd you watch? Well, I'll jump back to Sydney Poitier. Poitier. I watched Sneakers for the first time since I was a kid. Yeah, I haven't seen that in a, quite a while, actually. But that's a stacked cast. <laughs> it's a real stacked cast. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's a, it's just a delight, you know? It is. I, You know what? That, that's going to be on my rewatches soon because it's been a while. Yeah, give it a go. It's so much fun. And, I, you know, movie stars having fun movie star time. But it's also one of those really great examples of, like, just dead technology. And they're, like, hacking fax machines and, you know, answering machine tapes, reel-to-reel -reel answering machine tapes and shit like that. Is it 1990? 
right around there, you know, maybe yeah. 92, maybe 88, right uh, there. <laughs> it's, it's somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah. So a delight though, man, just a lot, a lot of fun. And I watched, oh man, um, a couple of movies that are, well, okay. The Good Son is no fun. I love that movie. But it's yeah, it, good. It's, it's, it's not, it's hard to watch. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, what's wild about it is it's, so much of the plot you could just transpose onto like uh, like an erotic thriller you know if it was like a single white female or a um uh, or like that? the sister came versus like a kid yeah like exactly it, exactly and then instead of it being like a something's wrong with johnny it's a like uh you know psychosexual thriller yeah like a hand that rocks the cradle type of thing yeah exactly um, God, there's a title that's just, like I can see the poster for, but I can't call it to mind. Um, anyways, it, it, whatever. I liked it a lot, but it is tough to watch, and it's crazy that it ends up where it ends up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, anyways, the that cliff, that cliff scene at the end, man. The, like, see, I saw that when that whole movie, seeing it as a kid, is. I don't know. It's very real. Like it is kind of melodramatic for being movie sakes, but like I, I guarantee I grew up with kids like this. Like they, there's some fucking psychotic little kids out there. Sure. And oh man, I don't know. That movie definitely still gives me chills and creeps. Like I, I think that's a great performances for two young kids too. I think. Although I don't really remember Elijah Woods, but I do remember Macaulay Culkin's. I actually think Elijah Wood is stronger. I think awesome. Macaulay That's Culkin good. is good, but it's sort of the weight yeah, like, of what we understand him to be as a cultural icon is working in his favor. Some mm. of the stuff that he's doing is like basically the same takes from Home Alone. They're just different scores underneath. You know, I'm not seeing the kind of the range that you would hope for for what this character is going through and doing. But I do really like the sort of like you were saying, the stakes of the thing and that he is a kid, even though he's a total psychopath, he makes sort of dumb kid mistakes and thinks he can get through it in really childish ways. Mm -hmm. And that's what ultimately gets him caught up. So I, yeah, solid, solid flick. And how about, oh, have you ever seen Less Than Zero? Of course. I have too, apparently. <laughs> were you were you watching and be like i've seen this yes, I've seen this. <laughs> and i've had this reaction before i think i've seen less than zero like at least three times and it has hopefully this time because i'm talking about it to another human being it'll impact me but i just every time i see the title i'm like oh yeah i gotta watch this people say it's good and i'm like oh yeah no i have watched this <laughs> yeah uh it it's not a perfect movie, but like it's totally of an era and that oh, bright Eastman Ellis feel of just like rich preppy kids getting, not getting away with murder, but you know, getting away with murder. Sure. Like getting, getting to do whatever they want. And all the stuff that, uh, you know, RDJ is doing is top-notch stuff <laughs> yeah top-notch stuff and obviously really true to form for him at that point in his life so there's a reason it's working super well but yeah i don't know a lot of good performances it's cool man cool looking movie just mm. a, a 
you know, you want to spend time inside of it because it's so... 80s LA, baby. You want to fucking be up in there doing some coke with people, fucking partying. <laughs> it is. It's a pretty good cocaine movie, man. I mean, it definitely brings us into the the despair places as well. But yes. man, just the little chips here and there in the in the bathrooms. What a delight! The, when he's uh, after the fight with uh, his dad, and he's on the Malibu beach with the bottle of soul. I had a real like sense memory of like, oh, is he drinking soul? Yeah, that's a good hangover beer. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's been a minute since I've watched that one too. Um, yeah, I there's no way for me to know how long it's been since I have seen that movie because it just is a void in my brain. <laughs> Should we talk about the man in the iron mask? Let's talk about the man in the iron mask. Let's talk about it. What's your relationship to this movie? Is this a, a, a Dylan classic? Yes, I used to watch this one all the time. Uh, it's like as a kid, I loved like the swashbuckling feel to it. The, you know, Three Musketeers vibe and all that. Sure. Uh, but like every as I've gotten older and I keep watching it, like it's such a mishmash of a movie there's (laughs) like he's cramming so many genres into one like you get fart humor in this movie and then you get like a lot of historical shit that's probably not really true (laughs) the uh yeah but it's still fun i that's what this movie is it's just fun okay um but john malkovich fucking rocks in this movie (laughs) and so does Gerard Depardieu I agree with half of the statement you just made Gerard Depardieu is actually the best thing in this movie and maybe the only reason I was into it at all (laughs) John Malkovich fucking sleepwalking through this oh my god no I still love him uh he wakes up a little bit towards the end the second half of this movie is way better than the first half of this movie and Malkovich wakes up a little bit and so does Leo when it's Felipe and uh not D'Artagnan what's he's Athos uh yeah um yeah when it's Felipe and Athos having like father-son time that, oh, you're talking about Malkovich. Malkovich is out. Malkovich and um, uh, DiCaprio. Yeah, and they're Felipe. doing like the training montage and the yeah. bathing, and they're those scenes are strong, and those are both where I'm like, oh right, these are Oscar-winning actors here. The mm-hmm. rest of the time, I think Leo again up front when he's Louis, that's rough, dude. It's rough, and no fucking accent whatsoever it's just his american baby teen voice it's it's crazy because gerard depardieu is in here being french as fucking hell and every so often jeremy irons is french ish is he (laughs) i don't think i caught anything (laughs) i feel like every one of them has a line with a french accent and then they were just like, yeah, but Gerard's going to carry the whole thing for us. So let's go. But then and he's not in it enough. No, not nearly enough. But Leo's thing of like, 
I don't know, boarding school kind of stilted, not British accent, not French accent. Yeah, I don't know what was going on there. I, I wonder if it like he just couldn't nail it because he he's never done accents, right? He doesn't. He's uh, done like, like American like a, a accents, like a Boston or Boston like one. Type of thing. Blood Diamond, right? Isn't that a? Yeah, he did do a South African accent for that, but that's also like it's probably that's less comical than a French American accent, like like fair enough you know what i'm saying he was well, like like and i don't have a problem with them not doing accents like there's a lot of solves for this thing and i'm sort of a fan of all of them i don't really need everybody to be pitch perfect accent and this is not the movie that's going for that not anyway. the movie to do that for <laughs> it's crazy as hell that gerard depardieu is in there with his french accent the whole time in this movie about france and he's the only one and it it's boggling i, I mean it's just and let's talk about gerard depardieu because i for me he is the best part of this movie his whole like <laughs> textualizing the subtext of pathos as the root of the character of pathos is or right isn't that his name porthos porthos damn it but anyways this whole like i'm gonna kill myself because my body yeah. is useless and the glory days are over and the <laughs> scene of him just being stripped naked and going into the barn and they're just what jeremy Hines is like Oh yeah, he's probably going to kill himself. Kill himself? <laughs> no, I cut the board. I cut the raptor. It's fine. <laughs> and the way that plays out, they're great actors. All of like, they're really the cast is super stacked. And there's moments within this thing where there's a lot of fun to be had. You even get Hugh Laurie in there. <laughs> Hugh Laurie. I I have a note here that says Hugh Laurie is the best part of every movie he's in. <laughs> have you seen um, the David Copperfield movie? Like, uh, it's about David Copperfield? It's, no, it's the story. It's the, um, you know, the uh, Charles Dickens. Oh, no, no, I have not. Yeah, Personal History of David Copperfield with our good buddy. Is it Dev Patel, right? Yeah. Um, oh. Anyways, Hugh Laurie is in this movie as a very awkward person. And at one point, he, he introduces himself to a room full of people as like, hello, I'm Mr. Such and Such. Uh, I like cakes. <laughs> and then he just sits down really fast and puts his hands on his laps it's i don't remember what the line is but he steals the whole movie he's got like three scenes uh yeah man i this I'm, i've never read the alexander dumas uh book of it like the actual uh literature version so i don't know how closely it sticks to it but uh i'm sure like it, it's part of a series, I think, like a D'Artagnan series. Well, yeah, but I've never Musketeers books. I read the you know the Three Musketeers, where D'Artagnan comes into the series, uh, which is another one we should do. The '90s were kind of Musketeer crazy. Mm -hmm. You mean the Keeper Sutherland, Sutherland one? Yeah, and Charlie Sheen and yeah, all yeah, yeah. Art, I believe, and uh, anyways, um, 
<laughs> but I haven't read this specific story, so I wouldn't be able to comment on it either. I do find that whole, the whole premise of it interesting. Like when they, the rioters stormed the Bastille, they found records of prisoner number, whatever it is. Uh, right. Uh, but like, then just speculation started, like who could this prisoner have been? Well, there's a, a similar story in English history about Prince Edward and some, you know, I'm not going to get any of this shit right, but a couple of twin boys, or not twin boys, but they were young boys who got locked away because, you know, they were also an heir to the crown or whatever, uh, but they ended up dying there. Yeah, very sad. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> I also, I kind of want to point out that these works of literature, although we haven't read this one specifically, like I said, I, I have read some of the Musketeers stuff, and they're from a time when literature itself was forming, so I think some of the plotting of this movie can be forgiven, because, like, I, I don't think it's this one, but it's, so, oh no, I'm real bad at literary history, guys. But I think it's Dumas who introduces a character twice in one of his stories, like mm. 50 pages later, brings him back in and is like, and this guy from this place, because the novel, he's one of the first guys to do novels, you know what I mean? And especially these novellas and, and chronicalizations and what would lead to short form storytelling. So it might be unfair to criticize a two hour and 10 minute movie for failing to translate that. What I'm trying to say is this movie's too long and it's got pacing problems. Yes, that's perfect, yes. And it was, it's budget, uh, I don't know, I guess for late nineties, but it says it was only 35 million. Just for how grandiose the whole production is, that just seems kind of low. Hmm. Yeah, but it made 183. I mean, it's probably all up on the screen. I guess Leo's the real money there. Basically, yeah. everybody else. There's a lot of people that are real famous now, but even now aren't big money players. You know what I mean? You got Sarsgaard and Jeremy Irons and, you know, Gerard Depardieu and, you know, the cast of thousands is not taking on a, a huge chunk of of your budget here Gabriel mm. Byrne you know he's not a 20 million dollar man no 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 definitely not Leo yeah Leo took probably the bulk of the, the bulk of the money I am curious I'd be curious to find out sort of like how this thing got made or, or what ended up happening who's let's talk Randall Wallace what's this guy's story Braveheart oh wait isn't that William Wallace you see what I did there <laughs> Yes, I do. And Pearl Harbor, he wrote, as well as We Were Soldiers. So he's like Mel's guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He directed We Were Soldiers as well. And The Resurrection of the Christ, filming in 2022. Oh, my God. Uh, anyways. All right. I, that tracks a little bit for me. Because I got the script is not, I mean, there's pacing problems, which I think are probably plot centric but the script is fucking bad oh yeah 
it's really bad it's, it's super like the dialogue is just like so cut and dry cheesy and just like get to the point get to the point get to the point fuck it no need for elaboration just say this line but it it does it in such purple flowery ways like the but in ways that completely bail out on itself i wrote down a bunch of them and then i deleted them because it was like well this is just going to be dunking on the movie but it (laughs) has a i don't know if it's intentional but that kind of mix of like high low that it's doing where it 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 doesn't balance it at all though no because it feels like they're trying to go for something really impressive and then don't have faith that the audience understands the vocabulary so they'll the last word in the sentence is at odds with the rest of the sentence you know i I don't Mm -hmm. yeah the one that i do still have here was leo when he gets out of the mask for the second time do you remember what he says no i wear the mask it does not wear me yeah (laughs) gotta do the time see otherwise the time does you son oh man that is too funny uh like my last note for the movie is just like a personal thing. I remember when I first saw it and still it's kind of like, it gets me is the first time taking off the mask and his hair is just like caked on his face and just smeared there. And just thinking about like, that would drive me fucking crazy. How, how does one live like this? How do you not fucking, oh my God, it like, oh my God, it gets me still. I don't like it. Yeah, it's <laughs> super effective. There's another moment too, where the first time he gets the wine glass and he like misses his mouth trying to drink. Uh-huh. Good stuff. Like a little physical acting. But yeah, the, and the way that the, his hair is like matted around his eyes where it looks like he's doing, you know what it looks like? What's the thing called from like uh, the misfits with the, you know, the gel down the center of your face? Oh, like, I don't know what it's called. Yeah, it's a it's a goth punk kind of, uh, you know, instead of the Liberty Spikes going up, you take all of it and bring it down across your forehead like, a, like the widow's peak or of a vampire's thing. But because you got long hair, it goes all the way down past your nose. So huh. it looks like he's doing that hairstyle, but it's on like both sides of his face. He's got like wrestler makeup, but with his hair. Yeah. Oh, it's, it is. It's upsetting and effective. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, uh, those, those are my last bit of the notes. I got a couple of things. Uh, oh, I do... <laughs> I do have one more line of dialogue here because D'Artagnan, basically his whole character existence up until we find out what we find out is that he, I'll speak to the, the first half of this movie, again, the first half of this movie, D'Artagnan's only thing is I'll speak to the king myself. I'll personally find out what's going on. And he's just like, never knows what's going on, fails to speak to the king the entire time. Pointless. Um, this movie came out the same year as being John Malkovich? A uh, year before. Right on. Yeah, Malkovich is 99, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So that's just something to consider when we're considering, you know, the stuff. In the the levels of acting. <laughs> <laughs> but I, okay, because I do want to celebrate at least one. Th- I, 
okay i'll i'll make this thing and then we'll go back to the movie as a whole sarsgaard as malkovich's son is yeah. really good casting yes i agree yeah it was it was it's solid it's solid he, he even does like a little voicing not too much but like it the cadence is kind of there too and it, they kind of look alike i i dug on it they yeah they don't look a ton alike for me but their voices even baseline are very similar and here they're identical they're doing each other and again a lot of good actors that can really do a lot of good things and i think there's some ideas in this movie that are worth exploring or that would draw people to this project i i just don't think they really made them to yeah screen, you know yeah i've uh it, it honestly i think it the biggest thing that falls flat is two things the screenwriting and the editing like the editing's fine but it needed to be trimmed that's what i'm trying to say like no need for two hours and 10 minutes of this make it an hour 50 yeah well that's a direction problem that's not an editing problem that's fine yeah yeah, yeah. you're right you no know, it's not yeah, that's randall wallace's job to take out script sorry i'm sorry Thank you. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it needs revision. It needs to be, uh, it, like I said before, it's backloaded. The, and the back half is, you know, much more interesting. But even the back half has kind of a, it's sort of like the, you know, the general. It's got that construction where we're going to go down the path and then we got to go back up the path to get, get mm -hmm. right back here again. And then even more, it's got that like, well, now we're doing the happy ending thing. And these people are fucking monsters, you know. It, a lot of bailouts and double clutches, and yeah, like we've we've said it. The script has problems. Problems. <laughs> but I said to my wife, I says it would be a great Sunday afternoon nap movie because you could check in on it every ten minutes and really be tracking this thing pretty thoroughly and because it's way too long you get to sleep through it also very true very true plus it's yeah. pretty to look at it is it does look good and it, it it's still fun even though it's a little too long it's still fun i didn't i i don't know if it's as much i did not have as much fun with it no okay no i think i think <laughs> there i think you can find some things to like but no the fun i want to have with it is ironic fun but it doesn't do enough of that either you know it's it's in that pocket of you know a c movie but what am i trying to say <clears throat> <laughs> it's, it's very middling but only because there's so much talent working towards something so shitty right so like even if a lot of these people are throwing it away and giving it 70 percent it's going to be compelling and you know the costumes are beautiful and the, the cinematography is pretty lush you know it's a good it is a good looking movie Mm -hmm. and but the there's nothing here 
And if you spend too much time on it, if you really focus too much on it, this is what I'm saying. In my living room, I was pretty satisfied with it. I think in a theater, I would have been irate with this movie. Yeah, I don't think I saw this in theaters. Yeah. That's the man in the iron mask. Man in the iron mask.